0: Okay. It's me and Joey here recording another sermon question, answer podcast. Um, pastor Joey preaches sermon, um, which I feel is one we don't hear very often from the pulpit about our union with Christ and how our union with Christ produces unity. Um, and it produces a biblical unity, not a false unity. Um, and, um, focusing on who we are in Christ, um, the overflow of that produces a, a authentic biblical community and unity and love, and we can have unity in diversity. Um, we can. One of the points you made in in your in your sermon was, um, there are people that you have relationship with that you have nothing in common with, yeah, apart from the gospel. Yep, absolutely. Um, and that's enough, more than enough. Yep. than superficial. Um, similarities that we have that are temporal on, you know, that are earthly things. Um, and I thought it was timely because it, um, you know, may, it might have been distracting to, to discuss this from from the pulpit on Sunday morning, but given the events of what happened in Charlottesville over the weekend, um, we see the need for unity in our culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and a need beyond um, let's all get along, but yeah, a true gospel unity.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things just for us to speak to Charlottesville for a minute is um, there there won't be peace in the broader culture, right? and so we we saw uh, tragedy after tragedy transpire on Saturday um, that uh, was uh, discouraging, depressing, horrific for the loved ones whose family members were hurt in Charlottesville, but um, peace isn't going to happen through um, uh, the way the broader culture thinks peace is going to happen. And 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 the means by which they're going about trying to uh, bring the country together is one that doesn't include God and in the gospel. And so apart from God and the gospel, um, we begin to see what could only be a temporary counterfeit piece, right? and, and we're going to continue to see things like we did in Charlottesville this past Saturday apart from the gospel changing the hearts of man. And so from a biblical worldview, um, the way that we should analyze what happened in Charlottesville is that uh, people who were created in the image of God were violent toward one another, and, uh, and that's a tragedy all around. And... Um, And that won't be resolved apart from uh, protesters from all sides understanding, uh, one, uh, having their hearts softened by the gospel, two, understanding uh, uh, then who they are in Christ and stop looking at each other as opponents and brothers and sisters, and that will change the way that, that we view one another. And so we see the Apostle Paul in a culture at Corinth Um, that was extremely disunified, and and we tend to think just in the present, and we think we live in some unique age, and everything shocks us, and uh, we have instant access to social media, and so uh, we get this narrative forced down our throats constantly. And um, uh, the Apostle Paul could have spent all of his time talking about uh, you need to be unified, you need to be unified, you need to be unified, and here are the five steps to being unified, and here, here's how you do these five steps, blah, 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 blah. All, like he could get um, sidetracked and begin to neglect um, the gospel, begin to neglect um, who we are in Christ uh, at the expense of trying to solve a problem at a surface level. That's what our culture does. We try to solve a problem at a very surfacey level. Uh, we we can't solve problems that way. It's that the man, uh, the heart of man is wicked. The man, uh, the heart of man is corrupt. We need our hearts changed, and the only way that that's going to happen is by the church not being distracted. The church needs a singular focus of proclaiming the gospel to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And we have the vision that when the gospel grabs a hold of somebody's heart it actually changes them. Yeah. It, it it changes them. And, and so if we want to make an impact on our culture, maybe we should spend less time focusing on the symptoms, which is the violence that we see constantly, and focus more on uh, we need to be faithful to herald a message that can convert the hearts of people that are far from God. People that are far from God need to be drawn near to God and God's church is the means by which he uses, uh, is it, the means to bring, uh, to herald the message, to declare how will they know unless we open our mouths. You know, Romans 10 talks about this. The Apostle Paul talks about this. And so God's entrusted us with a message. And if we can't get past the, if we can't get past talking about the symptoms, we're just spinning our tires in the mud. Uh, and so... So I want, not and, and I hope we see the big picture of what the Apostle Paul's doing in, in Corinthians. He's getting to the heart of the matter, and that's what I believe is union with Christ. And uh, And so Christians need to be reminded of union with Christ, and nonbelievers need to see what they're missing. That's when we'll really begin to see people come together. That's when we'll begin to, to see peace. Um, that's when we can deal with conflict in a way that honors God and not— in a way that harms our neighbor, so
0: that's good. We, um, the American Church, has, I think, one of our biggest mistakes of this century, at least, has been putting emphasis on wrong things, not yeah. good, not bad things, good things, Yeah. but making putting those over the gospel, and yep. that's Absolutely. where we, um, good intentions lead us down the path to, um, to hell because we have made those above the gospel.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, it, and I know this can get us, I, I think it's relevant, but I, we've talked about, I've at least talked about this briefly from the stage before, but, uh, in the matters of social justice that I think social justice is the idolatry of the millennial generation. Uh, it, I mean, there's many idols in the millennial. There's many idols in any generation, but for millennials, uh, we get wrapped up in in social justice issues, and social justice issues aren't bad. Um, they're they're uh, mostly good. Right? Um, I'm very passionate about the pro life movement. Uh, I know you are as well. And you know, my wife and I are very involved. My wife works for a resource pregnancy center. We're very involved in that. Um, but it would be wrong, and and it would. I would be placing um an emphasis on something lesser for abortion and my passion to see abortion uh outlawed uh that's too low of a thing for me to aim for like that. I have to aim higher than that because that that is horrific as abortion is that's a symptom for the larger problem the larger problem is the heart and so if I make my passion to see abortion ended my singular focus and i'm driven by that constantly all of a sudden that becomes the god that i worship and because it becomes the god that i worship i'm willing to do whatever it takes to promote that social agenda even if it means harming my neighbor that's what that's what we've seen saturday uh, you know that's what we see constantly what i want to do is put uh I want to put social issues in their proper place, and there's not enough people, Christians, the church isn't doing a good job at putting it in its proper place. I want to put social justice issues in their proper place. Their proper place is to be subordinate to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Uh, If they're not subordinate to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, uh, we're wasting our time. And so I want to see my primary role as one who's called to champion um the 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 message of the gospel and exalt Christ in a dark world and have confidence that the message that i 'm heralding is one that um, the Lord will use to bring his elect to faith and through that will begin to change culture on some of these social justice issues so do I believe abortion can be outlawed? Absolutely. Do I believe racism can end? Absolutely. Do I believe that either one of those things can be remedied apart from hearts being converted? Absolutely not. So what in the world am I doing if I begin to focus on those to the neglect of me calling people to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? And so I want to have that conversation in the right framework. And that's not happening
0: with anybody that I'm talking with or anybody that I see and on social media From being the moral police yep. of that's all be good you know, because we can't be good. Yep.
1: It's legalism. I mean, it's just it, for us to focus on the social issues to the neglect of what we're really called to do. Right. And I, I was talking with some friends yesterday, like uh, there's pastors, there's Christian leaders that I deeply respect and have been influenced by if I were to, in a very <clears throat> shallow, surface-y level thing, if I were to take their Twitter accounts and I were to analyze what they've been talking about over the last year, we would be deeply discouraged because they've been more focused on social justice issues than they have been to the proclamation of the gospel. Uh, that's depressing for me. That's discouraging for me. Uh, I want to see us have this conversation in the right framework in the proper place and uh and and it, for us to not have that is as as you say is we begin to preach a works-based salvation we begin to say if we outlaw this that equals that that's our highest aim that's our highest good and we can do it the the answers within us the willpowers within us that's completely um that's the antithesis of the gospel that's that's a counterfeit gospel, and the Apostle Paul says not to keep going back to the Apostle Paul. But he says, if anybody preaches another gospel, let him be accursed. Man. And so,
0: that's where I am with it. <laughs> All right, let's get into some questions. But um, well, I, I think, I mean, we—it's appropriate to, to speak about it because it ties into our our union with Christ and and everything flowing out of that. So. Um, we say it on topic, to a to an extent. Um, Praise God. But you mentioned in your sermon um, that we don't serve a deistic God, a God who yeah. was a a clockmaker who set the world in motion and then um, stepped back from it. It's a good observes. analogy. Um, no, this, I didn't come up with it. Who so, was that? Where'd you get that from? I don't know. C.S. Lewis. I'm gonna let's say steal that.
1: It, I'm going to steal that.
0: Um, and the question here is um, from someone saying uh that you know they they agree with the statement that we don't serve a deistic god but they came out of a uh, um their past they had that belief where we that, that that's who god was was this impersonal distant god um so the question is if god elects someone to salvation and others are not chosen or communed with um they don't have communion with god don't the non-elect have a deistic god at that point
1: it's a great question um so um in the um theological world uh, uh theologians have this term um uh, uh this uh called common grace right and so um both elect both both those who are in Christ and those who aren't in Christ so the elect the non-elect uh both benefit from um the uh Grace of God. And so, uh, and so I would say no, um, by the fact that folks live in a world created by God, sustained by God, right? It's a high view of sovereignty. The sun rose this morning because God said sunrise. The grass grows because God says grass grow. We take our next breath because God says breathe. And, um, And that's both believers and non-believers. And so, while non-believers won't acknowledge that they're utterly dependent on a sovereign God, um, still utterly dependent on they're still utterly dependent on a sovereign God. Um, The the only way, uh, the the very breath that they're saying uh, we're not dependent on God is is a gift from God that they're even they even have the breath to be able to say that. And so. Um, And so we don't want to, I get what that question is asking. We don't want to limit the work of God to just salvation and say that God only um, is working in the life of a believer. God works in the lives of unbelievers. You see that all throughout biblical accounts, right? Pharaoh, who was an unbeliever, the Lord used him as a tool um, to magnify his glory. Um, Ananias, Sapphira, I mean we see, we see characters all throughout the scripture that were willfully disobedient to God or cursed God that um God used for his purposes and his glory but every single thing everything that we know of everything that was created absolutely everything is dependent on God and it's uh it's a, it's a grace of God that it even exists and so grace extend there's salvific grace and then there's this common grace and uh, and so salvific grace is um, um, not extended to the non-believer, but there's many graces. Uh, now, the the person who's not a believer may say, "God's a deist," or "God God is this deistic God." Um, he's the god of the deist, but that doesn't. The, the accusation or that belief doesn't make that true. Well, we know the opposite is true. And so uh, and so a person's perspective doesn't determine
0: uh, who God is. And so does that answer the question? I mean, it even touches a little bit on what Pastor Sean talked about the week before, talking about the, the reason why Paul had to write addressing women um, in corporate worship was here's, A freedom that you haven't experienced before because of Christianity. Absolutely. And talking about how um, countries like the United States and and Britain and ones that came from this Christian worldview, not necessarily that all of our founding fathers were believers… But came from a biblical worldview yeah, of absolutely. individual rights yeah. and liberty. Liberty and freedom a, is, is a, a Christian. Christian ideal yeah, absolutely. that you don't see in worlds where Christianity yeah. hasn't penetrated their culture. Yeah. You if you look in the Islamic world, that's not liberty is not a thing. Yeah. Oppression is a thing yeah. because um Christianity brings freedom and that's a common that's a that's a common grace that we experience as um, citizens of the United States. We have freedom um, and that's extended to us through um, Christ. Yep. Even if we don't have salvation, yep. Um, we get to experience the freedom that comes from living in a world where where Christ has saved people and has brought them to Himself.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Great question. Whoever wrote that in, though, fantastic Very question.
0: Question. Um, the last thing we have here is not really a question so much as um, we got an email from somebody who um, was encouraged by. Uh, a portion of your sermon where you talked about um we the work of Christ is finished and we have forgiveness of of our sins that extends to our past sins and extends to our future sins so we don't have to beg god for forgiveness because it's been granted to us already through christ um and this person came out of a um a religious background where that was that was what she heard um from the pulpit was You need to you need to ask forgiveness for your sins, or or you're not saved. Um, And was encouraged by your word that that's not the case, and was basically writing in just to help to to ask you to kind of repeat that for for those that maybe need to hear it again. That um, kind of maybe you can reiterate a little bit what you talked about, and since we have some time um, beyond what you were trying to get through in your sermon to expand a little bit the the freedom that we have in christ through the forgiveness of the eternal forgiveness of our sins
1: yeah i mean it's it's a um i'm under the persuasion that we're all struggling or we're all recovering maybe not all maybe some of us are neck deep and trapped in it um but uh, we have this disposition toward this works-based salvation and i was really trying to push against that this past sunday and um in regards to everything that needed to be done to make us positionally right with God was accomplished before we were ever born. And it was promised in eternity past. And so, on the cross, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, fully man, fully God, hung on a cross. And God poured out every ounce of his wrath for my sins every ounce of it all of it the sins that i had yet to commit because i wasn't even born and and so in the gospel i mean understanding that to me is freeing and so I, so i wanted to push against a little bit i mean the way even we frame our prayers is some of us are Man, we think that we have to please God to get our ticket into heaven. Almost, even even though we may not even verbalize that. That's what you know. Sometimes I, I'm even when I was preaching that from the stage. I know there's people that in the in the in the congregation that are saying, um, "Of course, I know that it's in Christ alone that I'm saved." But practically, they don't live like that, and they don't think like that. They don't train themselves to think like that. They think, man, um. God's waiting for me to screw up, and the moment that I, I screw up, he's going to um, zap me out of my shoes or something, and and, and so we, uh, when we sin again, and we will, but for some reason we act like we're, every time we sin, we're surprised that we sin, right? And I'm not saying we shouldn't um, uh, seek to be conformed into the image of Christ, but like I said on Sunday, somebody who's been converted by the gospel isn't going to abuse this great salvation that God's provided for us, but we shouldn't think of, I need to now go and ask for forgiveness. You're already forgiven, and so why don't you go and just thank God that you're already forgiven. Right? I was reading um, yesterday morning, I was reading a collection of, um, I know this will shock everybody, I was reading a collection of Puritan prayers. The Puritans had this down pat. Um, uh, the the collection of prayers that I was reading was a confession of sin that was followed by um, praise and adoration that God had already provided forgiveness for them way long ago. And so they they understood that the sins that I commit today, the sins that I commit tomorrow, the sins that I commit the next day, they've already been paid for and they've already been forgiven. And now that drives me, even thinking about that, meditating on that drives me to want to worship uh, God. Uh, it, it makes me want to fall on my face and worship God be- because he's provided a, comp- a very comprehensive salvation for believers. It's it, it, it's not a... Uh, and to think otherwise would be to think of Christ as nothing more than this Old Testament picture of sacrifice right they had to continually offer up sacrifice for the atonement of sin right the the temporary temple sacrifices christ christ is more than that christ paid the payment once for all he's not continually being crucified for our sin and i made mention of the catholic church and of the catholic church uh has a lots of bad doctrine, but this is one. This is one of the areas they really have bad doctrine on. And uh, I know that there's there's Christians within the Catholic Church, but if I'm just talking about the Catholic doctrine itself, um, is heretical. And, and one of it, uh, one of their positions is this: need to ask for continual forgiveness in order to be forgiven. That's why traditionally they have believed that if someone, God forbid, commits suicide, um, even if they profess Christ, they didn't have time to ask for forgiveness of that sin. Therefore, they're spending an eternity separated from God, and that's not the case. Right? That that's, that's not true at all. I mean, that would be... I mean, take that to its logical conclusion. Man, I may leave here and get hit by a bus, and there may have been some sin present in it's my like life that I didn't have time heart. to ask forgiveness for, right? At what point this side of eternity do we not have indwelling sin, remaining sin? And we're going to have remaining sin this side of eternity. But the Bible promises and the Holy Spirit seals it um that all my sins are paid for and I can have confidence in that. And that doesn't that doesn't uh puff me up to be proud and that doesn't give me a license to Uh, live life like i want to live like i said on sunday we won't abuse this believers don't abuse this and so so yeah that is freeing and i hope people hear that i hope you know maybe by god's grace that helped to shift some thinking in our congregation because i have conversations with people who who um do those begging types of prayers god forgive me one last time Um, that's that's man found freedom in the gospel We've, we've
0: if you spent time growing up in, um, in churches, um, you've probably been to you know, what Sean jokingly referred, you know, what the terminology is a revival, where you've heard some evangelists tell you that if you don't know the day and the time, absolutely, yep, I heard that constantly. Christ, I heard that constantly. You know that you know that you're saved, then you're not saved. Absolutely. And, um, not that we want to give out false assurance to people, but. Our salvation is not dependent on us in any way, yep. and um, God sh- – uh, you referenced it in your, in your sermon when you quoted Ephesians. You, blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus. We God chose us before we were even born, in eternity past, yep. to be his children and to reconcile us to him through his son. Um, and I love the quote that you, that you um, what you said on, on Sunday, um, when you said, In Christ we shift from being sinners by our own doing to saints by his doing. And not to pick on the Catholic Church, but... They have a un- misunderstanding of well, who saints are. Yeah, absolutely. They have to. There's this whole committee and approval process that has mm-hmm. to go into place before someone can be called a saint. Yeah. And Paul addresses the Corinthian church as saints. The, yep. the, the church of Ephesus as saints. We are saints because yep. of Christ. Absolutely. It's not because of what we do here on earth that qualifies us to be saints or to be Christians. It's what Christ has done for us.
1: Yep.
0: We can have we can have faith in. And know that our salvation is secure in Christ.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I hope that's freeing to people. I mean, that's freeing to me. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a secure place to be. Uh, and The Gospel of John teaches us, Jesus teaches us, that that's an imperishable salvation. Nobody can snatch us mm-hmm. out of the hands of our Savior. So...
0: All right. Good stuff. Yeah. Thank uh, you, guys. Thank you, guys. Those were great questions. Uh was encouraged to get those this week. As, um, it's always encouraging to see how people process um, the sermon from Sunday and, and seek to further their um, understanding and clarification of what was said. So appreciate those questions. Um, if you do have any questions from the sermon on Sunday, you can email those to sermonquestions at gocoastal.org. Um, we record on Tuesday afternoons, and we will work to address those um, in the podcast. Um, so thank you, Joey, for being here this afternoon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you guys for listening and we'll um, check back in with you guys next week.